Hi, I'm Dave Scott. I'm pastor of Crossway Community Church, and I want to welcome you. Crossway is a church simply committed to making disciples. We meet at 1501 Woodbury Road. It's off of Colonial and Fort Wayne in East Orlando. Come check us out. I look forward to meeting you. Going through the Gospel of John, and remember the theme in John is to believe and live. John goes over this theme many times. Believe in what? Well, believe in Christ. Christ is the focus. Jesus, right? Again and again and again. John showcases Jesus. And, and so he's got a number of different episodes, stories that he tells. That, uh, uh, but it's all about Jesus' identity and who is Jesus? And why does that matter? Of course, you say, well, Dave, we know who Jesus is. We believe he's the son of God. Um, and so what's the point? Well, that's the question. What is the point? How does it matter in my life the fact that Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord? And so we're going to look at that today here in John chapter 6. This miracle in John chapter 6 is the only miracle that's in all four Gospels. And so it's significant. Um, because uh, the feeding of the 5,000, which we're all very familiar with. Um, but, uh, you know, it's this question of Jesus is God, what is he God of? And in this story, we see him as God over the fish and bread, God over my lunch in a very practical way. You know, my niece uh, was expecting a baby, and she found out that she had cancer. And so it complicated things. Uh, and... Uh, her and her, her husband were rubbing two nickels together to make ends meet, and so she needed some help. So we gathered together, and we put together a meal train for her, right? And we put together, somebody put up a GoFundMe site to help cover their, their medical deductible. And, uh, and praise the Lord, it's been a number of years now. She's cancer-free, and she just got pregnant again, and she's expecting here in about a month. And it's exciting, right, when we can come together and when we can meet a need like that, right? Um, and we call that crowdfunding, right? You, you post a cause online, you share about it on your on your uh, 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 Facebook or Twitter or uh, what uh, X, sorry, <laughs> uh, formerly known as Twitter, uh, and 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 through the power of the crowd of generosity, real needs are met. Well, um, what if God were to put up a GoFundMe, right? in order to uh, help all the people of the world. How would he do that? Right? How, how would he meet those needs? We see here a huge crowd of, of 500, but we know that there's, million, there's billions, 5 billion people on this world. How would he do that? Well, uh, just like this story where this boy is involved, God allows us to be invited, he invites us to be involved in what he wants to do. Um, and so, you know, money is something that people don't like to talk about. It's one of the taboos in American culture. It's one of the things, if you want to kill a conversation real quick, right, ask, hey, talk to people about, about how much money they make or how much money they give. We just don't talk about these things, right? And uh, so I'm going to talk a, lot, a little bit of a taboo this morning um, because uh, I think Jesus has something he wants to say. What if you were a little boy and Jesus asked you for your lunch? To feed everybody else. How would you feel? <laughs> would you feel like God's bullying you to give you? Not, don't take my lunch. That's what bullies do, right? They take your lunch. But, you know, would you give your lunch away? Would you be willing to do that? 
You know, I'm sure his stomach is growling, even like mine is. I didn't have breakfast this morning. And so, you know, when you're hungry, and we know that this boy was poor because he had barley. Barley was, was what was eaten. Uh, these barley loaves were uh, what, what poor people in that time would eat, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, many times we feel that God is bullying us, asking for money. We have to give money. Missionaries come and ask us for money. How do we feel about that? Um, people ask us to, to contribute to some charitable cause. Well, um, uh, we look at this miracle, and would it change the way I feel about that if I knew that Jesus was the creator? Does that change things at all, the identity that Jesus has here? So in John 6, we see Jesus do actually two miracles. We see in John 6, to show his power over the natural world. He feeds 5,000 people in the first part of the chapter, and in the latter part of the chapter, he walks on water. And so John is showcasing that this is no ordinary man, right? He's upping the ante of who Jesus is. Um, and so um, here we see uh, in, in uh, the uh, passage, it says, and after uh, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, where the Sea of Tiberias is, a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up on a mountain and he sat down with his disciples. Now Passover was at hand. It says, and lifting up his eyes then, seeing a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so these people may eat? And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough to, to feed each of them, even just to get a little bit. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, said to them, There's a boy here. He has five barley loaves and two fish. What are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was much grass in the place, and so the man sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he contributed them to those who were seated, and so the fish, and as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, they told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 basketfuls with fragments of the five barley loaves by those who had eaten. Well, it's interesting here uh, that it says, that after Jesus went away to the other side of Tiberias, he said there was a large crowding followed him, and Jesus was tired. A lot of times when we're tired, the last thing that we want to do, right, is the last thing we want to do is, is somebody to give us an assignment of uh, more to do. We want to we want to we want to stop, right, to to veg some. But um, Jesus' attitude is different. And the Mark in Mark chapter six, the Mark version of this, he said he had compassion on them because he saw them like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He sees the crowd as sheep without a shepherd. What does God feel when He sees East Orlando? What does He feel when He sees this apartment block right over here, or the neighborhood across the street, or the one that's just down? The next, the next, a little road here on the left, or in your neighborhood or my neighborhood, he sees sheep without a shepherd. That's what he sees and what he feels. Um, and so what did God do? God wanted to do something about that. Um, uh, you know, Jesus didn't have to take this boy's lunch. Did you know that? He didn't have to use these, these barley loaves and these fish. Why? Because he could have created the food himself. He could have just spoke it into existence, right? 
He could have created the money to go buy food and bread and more fish. He could have done that. But he didn't choose to do that. He chose to use this boy's uh, fish and bread. He asked the little boy to invest his lunch to feed a crowd. He let the boy be part of the miracle. Do you see that? What do you think the boy thought about that for the rest of his life? What he saw God do, right? It's a different feeling than what he felt at the beginning when somebody was asking for his lunch. He wanted to show the boy his glory. The glory that John's trying to get across, right? John, again and again, brings us back to Jesus. Jesus is the point. Jesus is what it's all about. He's the bottom line. Here at Crossway, what are we about? We're about Jesus. It's about lifting him up. It's about making him famous. It's not about growing our church so everybody would be impressed and all of a sudden all these crowds will come here. No, it's about touching and changing lives so that people will know and experience what this boy did, right? To see God at work. So in his ministry, Jesus involved the crowd to feed the crowd. God funds his kingdom to show us his glory. Why? Because just like this little boy, God wants to let you and I be part of the miracle called the kingdom of God. He wants to show you and I through giving, through our giving our time, our talent, our treasures, we are better together. And so we bring them to pool them all here because we think strategically, okay, well, what can we do if we gather together the gifts that different people has? You know, Amy can play the piano and 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 Jim can run the soundboard, right? And different people give different things. Renell helps helps on the software. You, Mary Jo helps with the kids. We all contribute in different ways. Some of you lead Bible studies. Some of you do the prayer part. We all do. God gives allows us to come together to do something bigger. And so um, it says that uh, in verse five, it says. Jesus said, to Phil, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for so many people that they may eat? And it said, he did this to test him, for he knew what he would do. He knew what he would do. Jesus knew then what he was going to do, and he knows now what is he going to do. Why do we have problems? Why do I need new tires on my car? They told me that I've got the, I've got the cord on the inside of my front tires. I also need new tie rods, because that's the reason why they're wearing bad, right? I, you know, when that happens, I'm like, God, I could get really stressed about it and think about, okay, this is a bad month for that to happen. But here's what I say. I say, God, it's your money. Now, if it was my money, I wouldn't choose to buy new tires. I'd put it in something else. But if you want to use your money to buy tire, your tires, that's your business. You can do that, right? God is the one who owns it all. It's his problem, but he allows us to be a part of it. But it, we have to trust him just like that little boy did, right? If we can trust him for the miracle of the cross, why can't we trust him for logistical needs and practical problems, right? That it will take to provide for our needs as well as resourcing the church and reaching these people around us. Why can't we trust God for that? The bigger miracle here is not feeding 5,000 people. The bigger miracle here is that Jesus was the living bread when he died on the cross to pay for our sins so we could have a relationship with him. That's the bigger miracle. God creating bread, that's peanuts, right? Now, 
We know Jesus paid his way in life for 30 years. He was a, he was a carpenter in American culture. We believe in pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, right? Paying your own way. And Jesus, he, he, he provided. Um, and, but we know here, it's interesting, because it says that, uh, that Jesus gave thanks over the bread. It says he gave thanks. Why did Jesus give thanks over the bread? Why did he do that? What, who was he giving thanks to? His father, right? God had provided for this little kid just like God had provided for Jesus for 30 years as a carpenter. He's thanking his father. What is he thanking his father for? For provision, for good provision. Remember, Jesus is God, but he's teaching us here. That's why he's thanking, because he's teaching us gratitude, right? Because it starts with gratitude. Miracles start with gratitude, thanking God for the blessings that we already have. Jesus is thanking God for these loaves and fish. This is not enough to feed everybody. And so, uh, but he knew that God was going to do something more. You know, Philip says in verse 7, he says, uh, uh, 200 denarii worth of bread would not even be enough to feed each one of them even a little bit. And one of his disciples, Andrew and Peter, said to them, there's a little boy here, has five barley loaves and two fish. There's so many. <laughs> Philip moves to the bottom line. The issue is money. He, he, he does the math in his head. Now, some of y'all are very pragmatically oriented, administratively oriented, and you want to go to the bottom line. Okay, how are we going to pull this off? What, 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 what are the numbers here? What do we do? That's what Philip is doing. He's saying seven months of my paycheck wouldn't even cover this whole crowd, all the fish. It wouldn't do it. They, you know, they see the balance of their checkbook. You know, he's got five barley loaves. That's like pita bread, right? And Luke five, and Luke eleven, and, and the Luke version implies that these three pieces would only make up the meal for one person, right? This is just one. It's one person's lunch. But God knows that how what He was going to do that He could feed all these people, and God knows right now here how He's going to feed the people of East Orlando. He sees this crowd. Jesus said to this crowd, we saw this crowd, they were like sheep without a shepherd. When God sees East Orlando, what does he see? Sheep without a shepherd who are harassed, right? He sees this is a desolate place just like they are. The hour is late just like it was then, right? And there are hungry people all around us. What is God going to do? We only got a couple fish and some barley loaves here. I mean, look around, right? God wants to do something bigger, right? God wants to use us to see a miracle. <laughs> and he, he, Jesus tells the men to sit down. He says, everybody sit down. <laughs> We're trying to feed people, and Jesus is telling people to rest. Not to, not, he didn't, he's not trying to get people to work and go solve this problem. He's saying rest. We need to rest in who God is. That God is going to show up. He's going to do what we need him to do. Now, God's timing is not always my timing. And he doesn't always show up the way that, that, uh, that you know, I, I plan for him to. Um, but God, when he, when he wants to show up, you don't know how he's going to do it. You know, David told me he got a visa uh, about a year and a half ago, I said, David, I want to help you. I don't know how I can. I couldn't make any promises to him, you know, but I said, I'll just, I've got friends. We'll just, you know, tell what the need is. And when he got here, we just shared, right? And God provided a car, 
right? Somebody's mother was going nursing home, had a car. All of a sudden, a car. God provided a car, right? God provides our needs in surprising ways. I was at the staff conference uh, with the mission organization East-West in Colorado, and I'd rented a car. I rented it through Turo because it was cheapest. I don't know if you heard of Turo. It's kind of the verbo of cars. You actually rent a car from an individual. And so I got this great rate. I was all proud of myself because I'm scotch, right? And I wanted to save a nickel. And uh, so we got this car. It was manual shift. And that's not a problem for me because I've driven stick shifts since I was 15 years old. That's not a problem. So we're going to drive all the way up to Estes Park from Denver. It's going up the mountain. This car was, I never felt a clutch like this. It was, it was a Mazda, and it was a fairly newer one. I thought, maybe this is some new kind of clutch, you know, some kind of centrifugal clutch or automatic clutch. It just felt weird when I pushed down and let it up. And so eventually get up to East, get up to Estes Park. By now, when I push the clutch in and I put it in gear and I let my foot off the brake in first gear and, and let off the clutch, the car doesn't even move. It takes about 30 seconds for it to begin to make up its mind, and all of a sudden it start going. When I change into second gear, it takes about 30 minutes, 30 seconds for it to decide that it was in second gear, all of a sudden it going. So I called the owner on, who, had, who had listed this on tour. I said, ma'am, what's, what's the deal with your clutch? Your car, I don't understand this. She said, well, that's the way it's always been since I bought it. And I said, ma'am, I hate to tell you something, but when you put it in first gear, and you lift your foot all the way off the clutch, and the car doesn't move, there is a problem. <laughs> you need a new clutch. <laughs> and she got all uptight. She said, well, I got to come get my car. <laughs> I was like, okay. But that left me in Estes Park, and I didn't have a car. I'm all the way up the mountain without a car. I was so stressed because I had put all the time planning into this. We had used to my lean with this, and we were going to show them the National Park, Rocky Mountain National Park, and all of a sudden, I don't have a car. How am I going to get back down to Denver and fly home? So I called up Turo. I said, I need a car. You know, this, this one broke down. And I, what can you do for me? They said, well, we only got one car in Estes Park. I said, okay. And they said, okay, we'll get it for you. Guess what it was? It was a Porsche Caliente. <laughs> I went from a car that wouldn't move in first gear to one that would go from zero to 60 in four seconds. Now don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> but, but God provided all my stress. Don, Don said, Dave, why are you so stressed about this car? And all of a sudden, God took care of it. I was just like, well, God's funny that way. Now, he doesn't always promise us a Porsche Caliente. I'm not preaching that. But, uh, but God wants to show up in big ways, right? He wants to take care of us. Um, and so... Uh, we see here in this story, it says, you know, Jesus took the loaves, and when he given thanks, he distributed them. It says, and they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments of five barley loaves left from those who had eaten. And 1 Corinthians 9 says, the point is, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is not about a guilt trip. How does God want us to give? Cheerfully, of our time, of our talents, of our checkbook, right? The word is hilariously. He wants us to give because we want a blessing, because we like doing it. So, um, you know, a gospel lifestyle is a lifestyle of generosity. It's not about the math. It's about the heart, right? It's not about consumption, what American culture tells us. It's about the kingdom. 
And so it's not about ownership. It's because God's the one who owners it all. It's about management. It's about stewardship, right? And so we need to do a generosity audit in our lives. And uh, it's, it's not over the zeros, right? Uh, although God, God is bigger than those. Um, you know, my dad, and, and he was a faith missionary all of his life, but he had a, a checking account just for giving, a separate checking account. And whenever anybody would come to him, you know, I'm going on a summer project, I'm going on a mission trip, my dad would always be able to do that. And uh, so that's some, I, that's, I don't have one of those, and I'm going to open one up. Uh, we, but it's just good because you set it aside, and, that, and then you know that it's there if anyone, and God brings the need. If I have gospel resources, somebody brings me gospel need, I don't have to pray about it, right? <laughs> because the answer is yes, God's already done that. It's not about ritual giving, it's about purposeful giving, right? We need to develop vision, goals, and a plan for the resources that God's given us. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, here we're uh, going to have a, a congregational meeting just after this to talk, because our physical year ends the end of September. Our new, new physical year starts October 1st, and we're going to talk about our budget. Um, what could God do in this next year? Right? Because we need to look at that faith goal and then say, okay, well, then what resources do we need for God to accomplish that vision? You know, one of the things that I'd like for us to do is to have, uh, we've got some incredible missionary commitments overseas. What about a local commitment here in Orlando, in our, in our, in our missionary giving? Could we identify a local need here and, and, and be purposeful as a church to resource that? That's an area where we could stretch and grow, right? I think that would be a good thing. Um, uh, you know, I would, my, my huge faith goal, my prayer goal, I would love to have another person, got to bring another person on our team here on staff who could help drive the evangelism and discipleship for us to be multiplying missional communities. Could God do that in the next year, in fiscal year 2024? That would be a huge faith step. It's a faith step for you guys to hire me, right? Uh, but God can do it. And could we multiply and double our small groups this year? That would be huge. I mean, you think, look around. Who's going who's gonna to lead a small group? And we're already leading scars. How, what could God do if he, if he gathers this circle bigger this year? Imagine if out here we got the sign. Up. What if underneath it it said, Si hablo espanol? Crossway Church, Si hablo espanol. So one of the things we put in the budget was to get the translation equipment. And we're going to pray that God would provide a, 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 a full... Uh, a simultaneous translator so we could offer translation of the whole service to this community because, you know, this Latin, the Hispanic community here is huge. And God's brought us resources. He's brought uh, David and Ida here with us, right? And so uh, was this something we planned? No, God brought this to us. This was his agenda for us as a church. How can we grow that? You know, uh, in May, Fripp and Keith and I, we got off the plane in the Big Island. The next morning, we, we drove in some cars out to this place. All of a sudden, we're let out underneath these trees. <laughs> you ask Fripp and ask Keith about it. Man, it was amazing. What are these people doing? What are they doing underneath these trees? Sitting in lawn chairs on stumps on all kinds of stuff. These are house church leaders. I'm talking about these are people with canes. One of these ladies had a walker. One was in a wheelchair. These are people, no matter what their limitations in life, they're giving their whole resources, their barley loaf and their fish, and they're allowing God to, to use them in their neighborhoods. These people, these represent leading, these are leaders of groups. How could we as a church more intentionally, strategically resource 
these folks, and Kala, who was doing the training uh, that morning, and he's over probably 100 house churches. You know, how could we, it doesn't take many fish and barley loaves to make a big impact there. You know, you see, well, the goal here is not for us to grow a megachurch. If we, if we wanted to do that, you know, well, you can't do that in your own flesh. And I don't know that it would be a good thing if we did. But our point is to be strategically, to have as, much, have as big an impact and footprint as we can uh, with the resources that God's given us. So when we think about the budget, let's think and ask God to do something bigger that would be a God miracle, God showing up just like he did here, right? Because Jesus is the center of this passage, who he is, that Jesus is God. He's the Lord over creation. That means he's the Lord over all my stuff and all your stuff, right? He created the fish and the barley loaves. He created the paper that my money is printed on. He, paid, he created the metal that our coins are made out of. I give Don all my coins. I don't like pocket change. <laughs> I've always put it on her dresser. I don't know what you guys do with it. My brother puts it all in a jar, and he's, just, he's in Ireland right now. He finally emptied out the jar. He had over $300 in coins. God created all that. He created that, and he created the plastic polymer of our credit cards and our debit cards. It's all his, right? Now, I, you know, money's a stressful thing, and I'll just tell you, in Donna and I's marriage, the, probably the one area we kind of keep stubbing our toe over and over again is finances. This is true. You know, they tell you statistically that there's more conflict about, about finances than any other issue. It's why most divorces happen. You know, every couple has a saver and a spender, typically. Donna's the saver. I won't say what I am. Uh, but, but uh, um, you know, and so if these are real issues, and we've got to work through these issues, and we've got financial challenges, you know, one of our biggest stresses is what about retirement? How's going to provide for our retirement? I mean, I go to Walmart, and just a two liter of Pepsi is two sixty nine at Walmart. Now it's three dollars at at at, at uh, Publix, but I remember when it was ninety nine cents at Walmart, right? You know what it's like? How much eggs cost? It's crazy. We have inflation, but guess what? God is bigger than inflation. God is. He knows our needs. He sees us, right? And he sees that we are stressed in these areas. But we've got to come together as couples and we trust God for the resources and the financial challenges that we have. It's a church trusting God as well. That this is the, He is the Lord of creation. As we lift him up, he draws all things to him in a circle, right? A circle of all of our life, everything that we do, glorifying him. Our time, our talent, our treasures, our work, right? What we study uh, in our neighborhoods. Everything that we do. And it says, the last verse, it says, And they gathered them up, and they filled 12 baskets of fragments of the barley loaves. Five, now five or 12 baskets full, right? And when the people saw the sign that, uh, this, when, the, when the people saw that sign that had been done, they said, this indeed the prophet is the prophet who has come into the world. That's the bottom line. God wanted to see who he was, right? Who Jesus is. 
Jesus is the center of this church. Jesus is our vision. It's definitely not a building, right? It's not an organization. It's not a brand. It's Jesus. We are lifting up Jesus to glorify Jesus. That should be the purpose and the center of all of our lives. More and more, progressively over time, in this spiritual pilgrimage, right? For God to, through his Holy Spirit, as we submit more and more areas of our life to him, allowing him to fill us, to empower us, to grow his fruit through us as we abide in him, for him to be the center of our lives. And for us to invite more and more people to come into that, out of the chaos of their lives, to find the centering focus of what this creation is all about, what life is all about, the one who said, I am life, the one who is the living bread. And he promises to fill us spiritually and take care of us. That's the vision of Crossway. That's who we are as a church. That's why God's called us here. You know, God's not done with us yet. He's not done with East Orlando. He's still got us here for a reason, right? And then year, next year in the physical year ahead in 2024, God wants to do more. He wants to, and he, the Holy Spirit is already out there at work. He's already out there growing fruit for us to come out and pick, right? People who are ready, people that we can speak truth into, love on, pray for, bless, share the gospel, tell our story of how God has changed our lives to grow community, to be community for them, to, for our lives to be a place of hospitality, to invite people relationally, physically, <laughs> sit down and have a meal, ask them to come over and have a meal. You know, we love Frostway. You know, Don and I, it's been a, it's been a real, uh, you know, we were looking for that. We, we needed connection. And God knew what we needed when he brought us here. But God wants to have other people come in and experience that, this blessing, Right? what it means to have a spiritual family so that we can represent to one another incarnationally in the flesh, right? The same love that God has towards us that we can show to one another. We can point each other back to Christ, right? So that we can, as it says in Hebrews, to encourage one another to love and good deeds. That's what this is all about. We're better together. Why? Because Christ can be reflected through us. We are his body, right? The bride. But the bride points towards the groom, right? Christ, he is the point. He's the point of this passage. And the problems that we have we need to come and we need to lay them at the cross. If real issues, financial issues, health issues, right? Issues in our parenting and our relationships and our extended family tensions. We need to come and bring these to God. Financial challenges, real financial challenges. We need to trust the one who is the creator of it all and bring it to him and believe that he's going to show that indeed this is the prophet who has come into the world. Why does he test us? Because he knows what he wants to do. He already knows what he wants to do in the year ahead. He already knows. He already knows the faces and the names of the people that he wants to bless through us right here. If we'll just yield ourselves to him. And like this little boy, just follow and trust this man who said, just, just give, me your, give me your lunch. Let me show you what we can do. This boy got fed. He got fed. But more than that, God fed a whole crowd. And it's more than just him feeding them physically. He fed them spiritually because he is the bread of life. And that's what it's all about. And so we're going to continue our worship because we need to 
feed on him, on who he is, the vision of Christ, right? In our mind's eye to focus on the truth, the reality of his character, right? To abide in him, to make our emotional home in him. To let, let everything aside. All the stresses you brought in here, problems, just lay them for a moment as we go to him in one last song. Let's just focus on who Christ is. Christ, we praise you. We praise you for what you've done in our lives. We praise you for what you've done here at Crossway. We praise you for what you want to do in the year ahead, Lord. Uh, we want other people to be blessed to be a part of this family. To be blessed by knowing you, seeing like this crowd did, who you are as they see you work, touch and transform their lives to provide. God, you're our good provider. You are our shepherd. We shall not want. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today and listening to this message from Crossway Community Church. Once again, we meet at 1045 on Sunday mornings at 1501 Woodbury Road, which is just off Colonial and 408 in East Orlando. Come check us out. I'll see you then.